Hello, welcome everyone. New Hope Radio, the Hope Club Podcast, all one and the same for your spiritual growth. That's the point. We listen to the Word of God on a regular basis that we can, you know, grow and have a better life, great walk with God. We're looking at the life of David and learning that, you know, some things that he goes through, yeah, we kind of go through those things too. And we can walk, watch him in action. Some things he did very well. Some things, oh, he didn't do that good. But we can learn. That's the key. It's about learning. And today we have a good lesson that I think some of us can identify with. What do you do when the bottom drops out? Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like the bottom just dropped out? Now what do I do? Well, let's see. Let's see what we can learn from God's Word. As I said, we're watching David's life and deriving some life lessons from him. And the old saying is true. Life has many ups and downs, right? I think we can all identify with that. I'm sure David could with the things he went through. Last time we were together, we talked about the crutches being removed from our lives. What is a crutch? A crutch is something that we lean on, that maybe we lean on it too much because it becomes a substitute for God. See, that's God's people, right? We're not looking for a substitute. We want the real thing. And the real thing, obviously, is God himself. That's what we're looking to lean on, okay? So we call that a crutch. Uh, Sometimes when God sees us living in a false security of some type, he removes it. Maybe it's a possession. Maybe it's a position, or a relationship, whatever it could be. God has removed David's crutches. He had the crutch of a job. He lost it. Wasn't serving the king anymore. He had a wife and a marriage. He lost it. Wasn't there anymore. He had a counselor and the prophet Samuel. Gone. He had a friend and Jonathan. Gone. Even his self-respect gone. His dignity, gone as a hero. Why? Because he's at King Achish's door with the Philistines acting like a madman. Would you agree that's just about as bad as it can get? I'm like, that's pretty bad, right? And we left off David last time drooling down on his beard, scratching at the gate of Gath where the Philistines were. I like King Achish's uh, humor. They said, we got David here. And he said, why do you bring him to me? Don't I have enough madmen around me? <laughs> this guy's acting like a madman, scratching on my door, drooling. Don't I have enough crazy people? You ever feel like that? Don't I have enough crazy people in my life? You're bringing me another one? <laughs> That's what the king said. So we pick it up in 1 Samuel 22. In verse 12, there's David. There he goes. He's on the run again. 
So David departed from there, and he escaped to a cave. What? Yep, went to a cave, the cave of Adullam. What's it like living in a cave? No food, no friends, no light, no plans. I would say the bottom has just dropped out of his life. And remember, he's the anointed king of Israel. But when? When's that going to take place? He's going to promise, but he doesn't know when that promise is going to be fulfilled. This promise seems far off. It's so far off, it doesn't even seem possible. Think about it. David was given a promise, but as he looks at his circumstances, the promise looks impossible. You know, God has given us many wonderful promises too. And yet sometimes we look at our own life and we think, no, the good that God has promised me, it just can't be. Because look at where I am today. That's the thing with the Christian life. We don't want to just look at today. We want to look at where God is leading us. Isn't that the story of the Exodus? It wasn't about where they were in the wilderness. It was about where God was leading them, and he was leading them to the land of promise. So here's the bad news for David. He lost everything. But here's the good news. Except God. Even if his feelings told him otherwise, he didn't lose God. And perhaps this is what makes David so unique from most other people. He wrote Psalm 142. And you know what the first line of the psalm says? I cry aloud with my voice to the Lord. I plead for mercy with my voice to the Lord. He wrote a song. And he's singing that he's crying to the Lord. Is it okay to cry? Of course it is. Especially when you're crying out to the Lord. I believe we try to limit our crying, but in reality, I don't think we cry enough. God is in the business of restoring whatever it is that needs restoration. A bruised reed he will not break, right? So David was learning that when the sovereign God brings us to nothing, it is to restore us, not to end us. He wants to restore our lives, not end our lives. And what does the word restore mean? To revive, to renew, to reestablish. Here's the problem. You know what the problem is? The fiery dots of the devil. Oh, that dirty devil. He throws those fiery dots, those negative projections. And you know what he says? No, this is the end. You're all washed up. You know what God says? No, this is a new direction. We're going a different way. See the difference? Which one do you want to believe? That it's the end or it's a new direction? I choose the new direction. Because that means, huh, it's not the end. So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's household heard of it, they went down there to him. So word got out, David's hiding out in a cave. His family went. So look who shows up. His father, 
who overlooked him in the pasture. Remember when Samuel came and said, bring out all your kids. God is going to choose one to be the next king of Israel. And he brought out all but David. And he said, Samuel said, God hasn't chosen these guys. You get another one? He said, yeah, but he's just out there watching the sheep. I mean, he's just, you know. Samuel said, go get him. So his father overlooked him. His brothers, they ridiculed him at the battle. They mocked him. These are the guys that show up to see him. And not only that, but in verse 2 it says, everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. I mean, look at the people that are around David. A father who ignored him, brothers who mocked him, and then people that were in distress. What does that mean? It means that they were in a narrow place, maybe like backed into a corner, trapped like a rat. Then people that were in debt. They had creditors chasing them. And people that were bitter in soul, they were discontented, dissatisfied with the current state of affairs in their life. So David's got all these I'm going to call them malcontents, right? David, (laughs) you know, it's like you would think David needs people to prop him up, right? No, he's got all these malcontents coming out to him. Now, Saul was a terrible king, and he overtaxed, and he mistreated the people. And these people that came to David, they were hurting. They couldn't pay their bills, and they became bitter about life. They were bitter. So David ended up in a cave filled with malcontents. Malcontents. But you know what it says in verse 2? He became captain over them. Now there were about 400 men with him. So I'm looking at this scene, right? It's bad enough feeling like a worm. Now he has 400 more worms crawl in there to be with him. (laughs) Right? David's like, why do I need all these people? But here's the key to any cave situation. Because again, maybe you have felt at times in your life like David is feeling here. It's a cave situation. But here's the key. God is always working. That's the key to your cave situation. God is always working. What does that mean? That cave went from a place of hiding to a place of training. And these malcontents would become David's mighty men of valor. Wow! It's amazing what God can do. Because it's not so much what David did, but it's what he didn't do. And sometimes it's in what we don't do that really gives us the benefit. And you know what David didn't do? He didn't walk away. It's so easy to walk away. Winners don't walk away. Winners stay at the task. Winners don't quit, or they would never win. Winners never quit, 
and quitters never win. So what David didn't do was a sign of his greatness. He didn't say, forget this. I got nothing to work with. I got a dark, damp cave, a family who rejects me, malcontents. I don't need these people. I don't, but you know what? He stayed. And he used that situation to bring those men to a place where they would never be without him. That cave became a place where people would learn, where they would train, where they would develop. And two things we can learn from David about our own lives when the bottom drops out. You want two lessons to learn when you feel like you're backed into a cave, trapped like a rat like David? Number one, he accepted what God was doing. That's big. You know, sometimes I know I'm good at it. I'm good at complaining at what God is doing. Oh, yeah, I'm good at that. I don't like what's going on. God, why why is this happening? Why are you doing this? Why can't somebody else have this happen to them? Why does it have to be me? <laughs> I can get very good at it. Matter of fact, the more I practice it, the better I get. Oh, wait a minute. David accepted what God was doing. Oh, that's a good lesson. And you know the second thing we learned from David? He did the best that he could with what he had to work with. He took what God gave him and he said, okay, I'll use it. Didn't Jesus do that with his disciples? I mean, those guys weren't exactly the cream of the crop. (laughs) But God said, here they are. Take them and use them. And he did. Oh, he stayed with them for three years. And they flubbed the dub half the time. But he stuck it out and trained them and developed them. And they became world changers, the great apostles. Because Jesus stayed at the task. And he worked with what he had. And that's what David did. And that's what we need to do. God says, here's a cave. David says, I'll use it. God says, here are some malcontents. David says, I'll take them. Okay. You know why? Because Psalm 84 says, O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in thee. See, it's all about trusting God. If God is working in your life, whether you appreciate what he's doing or not, can you still trust him for what he's doing? That's what David did. He trusted God for the cave. And he trusted God for the malcontents. He said, you know what? I don't have much to work with, but I'll take what I got. And I'll use it. And David did. Maybe you don't have much to work with, but you know what? Take what you got. And work with it. And watch God bless it. David had gone through three stages so far in his life. Number one, his lowest point in life. He was very low. And that's when he wrote Psalm 142 that we read, I cry aloud with my voice to the Lord. I plead for mercy with my voice to the Lord. So he's in stage one, crying out to God. Then 
Stage two, he's on his knees in the cave. And you know what he did in the cave? He wrote Psalm 57. You know, the the Psalms take on tremendous meaning when you realize the background and what were the circumstances around the writing of the Psalm. So from that dark, damp cave, David wrote in Psalm 57, Be gracious to me, O God. Be gracious to me. For my soul takes refuge in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge until destruction passes by. Think about that. He knows where to seek safety in God. He said in verse 2, I will cry to God most high, to God who accomplishes all things for me. He knows God is working. And he knows God is working on his behalf. Oh, David has spiritual insight. He's not blinded by his circumstances. Sometimes circumstances cause us to only have natural perception. No. Always cling to spiritual perception. Try to recognize, okay, what is God showing me? What is God telling me? You can only have one or the other working at the same time. Which one? When you live in natural perception, you make trouble. You make bad decisions. But when you have spiritual perception like David does here, okay, he's focusing. He's waiting on God. He knows God is working on his behalf, and God will accomplish what he set out to do. And then he said in verse 3, He will send from heaven and save me. He reproaches him who tramples upon me. Selah. See the confidence in David that's building? He knows that God will protect him, even from his enemies. God will send forth his loving kindness and his truth. Boy, no wonder David is called a man after God's own heart or a man with a heart after God, because he never left God, oh, I like this, he never left God out of the situation. He always brought him in. It's like if you know you're going to walk in darkness, you bring a flashlight, right? So David knew this is a bad situation. I'm going to bring God. I'm going to bring God into it. In verse 4, he wrote probably being surrounded by all these malcontents, 400 complainers, 400 men of bitter soul. They're in debt. They don't like the king. They don't like life. And David said, my soul is among lions. I must lie among those who breathe forth fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. See, these people wanted revenge against King Saul. They're like, they're like, this is going to be like the militia. They're going to rise up against Saul. He's ruining our country. We're going to rise up. They were a thankless, coarse bunch of people, so overwhelmed with their own needs, they don't pay attention to anyone else. They don't. And you know, we can get like that. We can be so consumed with ourselves 
in our wants and our needs, we don't see anything else in life. We don't see anything. And we have to be careful because overconsumption with self can result in wrong actions. Oh yeah, we can do the wrong things because we're not seeing anyone else. So David is lost in the cave. He's on his knees, but now he's on his feet. Oh, he's still in the cave, but he's on his feet. You know why? With God. God is lifting him up. Here's what he said in verse 5. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. And he says in verse 7, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises. Notice he's changing. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the people. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your loving kindness is great to the heavens and your truth to the clouds. Be exalted above the heavens, O God, and let your glory be above all the earth. Wow. What's he doing? He's coming out of himself. He's getting into God. Oh, he's still in the cave. His circumstances haven't changed. But you know what changed? His heart. His heart changed because his perspective has changed. He's not thinking naturally with the sin nature. He's thinking divinely. Because he's a man after God's heart. So let's summarize what we've, what we've seen in David's life and then make application to our own life. And I'm going to use Psalm 34. A lot of Psalms going on because it's the life of David. He wrote them. Psalm 34 helps us with the application. Okay? To the distressed, he said in verse 8. Okay, if you feel distressed, Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. You know, David writes these things because he knows they're true. David David lives in what he's saying. You know, he doesn't just say it and not do it. He says it and he lives it. It's like a pastor preaching a message. He can preach a message but not live it. Or he can preach it and live it. Well, that's what David's doing. He's writing these songs, but he's living out the truth of these songs. That's when it becomes real. Okay? So to, to, to those of you that are distressed, taste and see that the Lord is good. To those that are in debt, verse 9, Psalm 34, Fear the Lord, you his saints. For to those who fear him, there is no want. God will come in. God will provide. Have the faith that God will provide. It is fear the Lord, you his saints. And those who fear him, there is no want. To the discontented, verse 10. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. So take your discontentment and turn it into seeking after God. See, I love God's Word. You know why? Because it gives me something to believe in. It gives me something 
to hold on to. The, the word of God is a substance, right? You hold on to it. It's meaningful. It's significant. It's real. And if you hold on to the word of God, you have, you have a stabilizer in your life. But if the word of God is just a mere philosophy, it will do nothing for you. It's a substance. Verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Oh, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Yes, our lives are filled with up and down, ups and downs, and we have afflictions, and we have battles, and we have scars. The lowest point in your life is not the end. It's the place of redirection. Broken, loss of a job, loss of a marriage, loss of a loved one. Whatever you're losing, your health, it's not the end. It's the place of redirection. David shows us how to turn that curse into a beautiful blessing. Remember, the conversion of a soul is the miracle of a moment. But the making of a saint, oh, that's a task of a lifetime. It's a process. And God isn't about to give up even when you are in a cave. He's not through even though you may feel through and at the lowest point in your life. God is not through. He's always working. So we can derive some wonderful lessons from David, from inspiration, some motivation. Read Psalm 34. Read Psalm 142. Share in the experience of David, in his cave experience, the beautiful words that he wrote, and the tremendous faith that he had in God. Next time we're together, here's another practical aspect of life experience. What do you do when you've been done wrong? (laughs) Ever been done wrong? Like, okay. What do you do? Join me next time. Again, we'll watch David in action and we'll learn. What do I do when I've been done wrong? That's a good lesson. Hope you can join me. Don't forget the Hope Club podcast. Go to newhopecc.tv. Scroll down. All the messages are there. Or go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Just, just type in the Hope Club podcast. Get all these messages and listen as often as you can. <laughs>